Welcome to the latest episode of the Platform. Today, we're going to be speaking to Hayden Ball. Hayden is currently residing in San Diego, which, as everyone knows, roughly translates into Wales vagina. Um, but he was previously living in Reno, Nevada. And for some reason, I thought that he lived in San Francisco for a while because whenever I've seen footage of him, it always seemed to be there. And he had a uh, street section and two Sean Cullen films. One was R.I.P.S.F. and the other one was the shock video. Um, he also filmed a part for the Henry video as well. That video that had a lot of kind of controversy because Julian Ba had a section in it and he didn't know about it. Gav Drum had a section in it. He didn't know about it. Um, also had sections from Feinberg and Billy O'Neill. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But the main reason we want to get him on is because he's just released a section. It was for his new clothing company, Dusty Denim. So he started a clothing company that so far has only produced jeans, which is pretty interesting because no one else is doing that in blading at the moment. The last company to do it was Vibralux and they haven't released jeans in years. So I want to talk to him how he decided to get involved in that and you know the work that goes on behind it and also talk about his section because he just does some massive stunts on it does loads of roofs kink rails grinding roofs jumping off roofs does loads of tricks switching natural just skates big burly stuff which yeah loads of people complain no one does anymore but people like him sam crofts carlos bernal michelle prado like there's there's quite an extensive list of people that prove stunt skating very much is still alive and well so we're going to get into that. We're just going to talk about loads of stuff, what it was like being in Reno, Nevada at the same time that Eric Bailey moved out there. So I know he was there at the same time as like Mike Choley and Eric Burke and Mike Burke and Eric Bailey were all there. They were working on them apples with Pat Lennon. So I don't actually know if he was, you know, hanging about those guys or if he was just, you know, living in the city at the same time. But yeah, we'll talk about that. Loads of other stuff. And before we do that, though, Cue the music. The platform, platform, platform. The platform, platform, platform. The platform, platform, platform. Hey, Daniel. I think we're good. How you doing, mate? David, David, close, but we're good. <laughs> David, sorry, man. <laughs> hey. How you doing? So I've, I'm happy to know that I've not got you up too early on a Sunday because it's it's afternoon there in California, right? Yes, it's uh, one o'clock about. Okay. Yeah. So was it was it a heavy night last night or were, were you taking it easy because you knew you were skating today? Oh, I, I pretty much take it easy most nights. <laughs> uh yeah it was an easy night it was, okay. it was chill yeah how about yourself um we have in scotland we have finally got decent weather so we had a fire fire pit going last night and sat at the back and drank beer and wine and had a good time yeah good good weather doesn't exist well you've been to the uk so you know that um we don't but you were you were in southern england and they get much better weather than in scotland scotland weather is atrocious uh yeah i can i can imagine that yeah and they in england's even rough and yep. further north you just get more rain and clouds and yeah 
Scotland, Scotland's basically like uh, the closest equivalent in the States, I would probably say, is like Seattle. Mm-hmm. But even Seattle, like at least in Seattle, they get like summer. So right. ours is, yeah, a lot less consistent than that. <laughs> it's questionable, huh? Um, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot of pale people walking about most of the time. Yeah, that's, that's just what you say. Right. Um, congratulations on the new part. That's the first section I recall seeing from you in years. Am I right? Yeah. Uh, thank you. Uh, the last one I did was just on, I put up on my Vimeo and that was about hmm, seven years ago, maybe, maybe less, maybe six, but, okay. um, yeah. And then, uh, just clips here and there that, you know, my, uh, Justin Isinger for, you know, his thing for one, he's done, I've had clips in his stuff and, right. but yeah, I haven't had a full part. So yeah. The last one I remember seeing was the one that Henry put up like, and that was years and years ago. The one that didn't make the final cut of their, the rebirth video or whatever. Oh it was. yeah. <laughs> he put it online. Yeah. Oh, uh, Sean has stipulations and I didn't, you know, come and hang out with him and Furby enough. So Okay, yeah, my part got my part got put online, but it's all good. It was that was a banger of a video. There, every part was like so good. So, right, okay, you're you're suggesting something happened there, but right, because I thought you and Sean were good friends because you're you've been in two of his other videos. You were in RIPSF and you were in the shock video. Oh yeah, the shock video wasn't Sean's video. But, oh, was it, oh no, what was it not? Was it Tommy Boy? Um, who was it was uh, it was like a a group of people that made it. Yeah. It was right. like Kevin and Tommy boy and uh, Thomas McGovern. Had yeah. a, he was a big editor in that and filmer. Um, yeah. All of those guys kind of had a, a part in that. And, and yeah, Sean and I, uh, you know, we've, we've been close. Like I, I met Sean as a kid. So, uh, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't hung out with him in quite a while. Does he, he doesn't still skate, does he? Like, I don't think anyone's heard from him in years. Um, I think he still skates. I, I, um, I heard, I think he still is in Los Angeles, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't hung out with him. I've haven't seen him in a while, but, uh, I, I hope he's doing well. Um, okay. So you said yeah. you were, you basically suggested you were meant to be in that video, but then he changed his mind and decided not to put you in it. I mean, I had footage that I, maybe I didn't put in the work. I didn't put enough in because I don't, uh, it, I don't I, know that section. That section was not wasn't tame. No, it wasn't tame. You're right. <laughs> it had some tricks, but I I don't know if I didn't come and film with him enough, or I didn't. Um, I I like kind of had to steal footage from. I actually got some flack from my my buddies too for that. I think uh, Thomas and Kevin were a little upset because. I think there was footage that was meant to be in the shock video that actually uh, went to that and Sean to, and then he used, but yeah, either way, um, Sean did have stipulations when, when filming for him, it was kind of like, Oh dude, you got to come and film. And you know, if you don't, you're not in the video or something like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 he has always seemed like quite a, a strong character, but that's quite funny that you'd say that because you said, you didn't go out and film with him enough. There was no, people, I don't, there, you know, that for that video, I don't think he filmed much of any of those clips actually. 
Yeah. I think I had given him all that footage from, uh, you know. Okay. But yeah. some some people that had full sections and that didn't film with him at all. Like Julian Julian Bad right. didn't even know he was going to have a section in the video. Like Sean bought yeah, that footage I off Brazil. That, that heard... was weird. Yeah, I don't know how he got a hold of that footage. Actually, I forget. He always like found a way to hijack someone's footage. Well, oh no, like like Brazil Brazil's confirmed that Sean paid him money for the B roll footage from Game Theory. Oh, okay, that's how it was. Yeah, yep. And then Gav Drum had a section in it, and he was like, "I, I did not give Sean any of that footage." He's like, I "How don't do you know. get it?" Yeah, apparent. You- apparently, he came over from Australia and was staying in San Francisco, and he had like a, he had like a CD-ROM with all his footage on it that he wanted to be in Valo. I think it was four, maybe. I can't remember what, what one it was. Yeah. And somehow Sean got a hold of it. And used yeah, Gav was probably like sleeping or something. Sean's <laughs> like took the CD. <laughs> We like snuck out with his dog under the arm. Like <laughs> he, he, he did have that kind of vibe that Sean was. Yeah, he kind of gave the impression that he was capable of anything. Yeah. Oh, he was. Yeah. Did you see when you came to the UK? Did you come with him? No, no. I came solo and uh, stayed with Adam Cola and uh, Jake and um, Ed Inglis and uh, okay. stayed at that place in Brighton and yeah. Uh, yeah, and then I met with Freddie White for about a week, and we skated around and chilled in uh, Paris for eh, more like a few days. But right, okay. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. so like, were you in Europe for a while, or just a few weeks, or it was about four, maybe four or five weeks at most, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think I did like three weeks in England, and then I did a few days in Paris, and then um. I went down to uh, the south of France and I met my girlfriend at the time. She she like flew over with one of her friends and I met up with them and just kind of I got injured. I got I got hurt skating in. Uh, I think, it, yeah, in Brighton, like I was skating a bowl and I like pretty much was done after that because um, we. Oh, yeah, we went to even Barcelona for a few days, my girlfriend and her friend, and I couldn't skate. I was I was all. Right. I was out of it. So what was the intention behind the trip? Was it was it to come over and skate or was it just a vacation or like it was both. Both. Right. Um yeah. Uh you know, back then it was to skate and stay with Adam because Cola had stayed at my place with uh Jeff Stockwell and, and Marcus Benavides okay. in San Diego. And so he said, if you ever want to come, you know, you can stay with me. So I, I took him up on it and uh yeah, I did some skating then with those guys. And, but yeah, it was kind of like a little boyfriend, girlfriend trip too. some of it. So, right. So you, yeah. you, you lived with Stockwell and Marcus at one point. Yeah. He, uh, those guys and I had a house in San Diego for a little over a year, I think. And, and Marcus's girlfriend too, at the time she was with us. So would that have been around killer boots time or before that yeah i think it was um it was after killer boots it, it was yeah. after that yeah it was uh jeff was skating on shadows and marcus too and um yeah it was uh i remember jeff just got his blue pro skate the blue shadow pro yeah, yeah. that was it was a good time jeff worked at the time too like he was a machinist and uh 
and also, you know, pro skater still, but yeah. Yeah. That was that, that was that interesting time where it was basically dying out and all the pros were quitting and all the pros that were sticking around were sticking around and working full-time jobs. And it was just, yeah, it was the yeah weirdest period for pro blading. Yeah. Although yeah. it's not, it's not improved that much. No, since no, then, but that, that was yeah. the that was the the fast there was the fast decline there where everyone was just dropping like flies. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, um, yeah. right. We've got way off topic. Back to your section. Sure. So, right, there were a lot of roofs and kink rails, and like I've always like whenever I've seen your sections, up the thing that I always took away is you always like like a big trick or like a gap or but they, they never look that sketchy when you do them because you seem to kind of land them quite clean like you seem to be quite confident on like big stair sets and like hucking yourself Thank off you. stuff but there, there were a couple that looked skate the top sole on the roof looked terrifying like the first one you, when your sole foot swiped out that was scary and then the one yeah. you slid like it, it, the roof looked like it didn't want to slide no it didn't because uh the top of it is actually um like that tar shingles so right, it's okay. really it, it grabbed on Kevin, it's really funny about that uh i had sent him the clip of me back royaling it like perfect like slid all the way off mute grab out he didn't want to use it he wanted to use the topsoil because he said he liked it it looked sketchy and it, it looked, looked like yeah, it, it like, looks right, terrifying dude. yeah whatever yeah okay so there's a better clip floating around I'm guessing it's not been used in anything yet, or you're going to put it up on Instagram or whatever. Oh, of that roof? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I could, I could do. I could put it on Instagram. That's actually a great idea. It's just that it's a back royale, but uh, I split I mean, it. It's, it's a back royale on a high ash roof. You know that spot is was on the cover of Daily Bread. Uh, John Julio, he did um, Soyal on it. Like, it's the photo issue. I thought it had that kind of similar aesthetic. Yeah. I, right. Okay. I remember that one. Yeah. Dude, he's wearing like the wife beater. Didn't, yeah. Another one. I need. think it, yeah. It's, I th or maybe it's not a photo issue. Maybe he has an interview in that one. I forget. But uh, yeah, I know the one you mean. Yeah. Cause he was still on, I'm sure he was still on USD. Was, uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. And, and so when we got there and Steve, my buddy Steve was like, you got to do that. We got to do that. And he starts, he, we, it was a project to like collect the tables because they were like all over the school and it was a big school. And so we're dragging these tables around and it took like an hour to set it up almost. And, um, and then at first I didn't have the tables set up the right way. So like, I couldn't get the launch. I, could, yeah. I couldn't. I, I, and I kept rolling up it going, how the fuck did Julio get up there? I was like, I, I was like, there's no way I'm getting on this thing. Like It felt, it was like, <laughs> I was like, John, how did he jump that high, dude? And then finally, um, Julio's got hops out. though. Julio can, Julio can get oh, on yeah. high stuff. Oh yeah. Always. He's always had hops, but uh, finally we figured out like how to place the tables. It's like put our heads together and we're like, wait, if we do it like this and it popped it the right way. So it was steeper. And then it put, and then it put me up there. Like no problem. I was like, oh shit. Okay. No, that, that doesn't really seem like the kind of thing that you want to like experiment with and trial and error like you just like go full 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 pelt at it and you go ah i've not got enough speed i'm about to hit into the side of it or oh i'm about to overshoot it like <laughs> i don't know to me that just yeah i i would just jump up to it like to the side and then when we figured out the table setup i like went for it and just jumped onto the roof like super easy i was like right. oh 
Yeah. So. Also, how do you wax an obstacle like that? Do you climb up on the roof and do it from the top or do you I, stand on the tape? Like, yeah, I just, I was just on the roof and just kind of like kneeled on the roof and waxed the edge of it. But, um, that, that, that roof is fucked, man. It was sharp. It like cut my hand. Um, one time, like, yeah, it's just, soy Al's gnarly. John, John did a good one on in the, the footage from when he skated it. I thought the footage did not do it justice at all. Like it was like filmed really shitty. It like didn't look high. didn't look scary. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, see when you're waxing it and you're like, this material doesn't seem like it's going to slide that well. <laughs> we know like, hmm, maybe, maybe, maybe they changed the material since John skated it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll give this one a pass. No. It, it has like a metal edge, but then yeah. there's tile up or, um, you know, shingles. That's like yeah. that, like roofing material that grabbed when I did the topsole. Yeah. That's, uh, that stuff doesn't even really like roll well, never mind like, <laughs> slide. So yeah. like you try to, like most people put wood down if they want to like gap off stuff like that. Right. Um, yeah. all right. Okay. Um, Another one I liked was the 540, but you did it the hard way so that you have to spin hard, like, so it's the the bank to bank over the double rails. Mm -hmm. But you did, most people 540 so that you're spinning less and you did it so that you're spinning more, which makes it also harder to like get the landing right. And that, that bank looked like crusty as hell. Like it didn't look like one, (laughs) it looked like one that you could easily like catch a wheel and just eat shit. Yeah, it was crusty. It was uh, pretty bumpy. And um, I actually, the first fall that I had, I was wearing that leather jacket kind of as protection. And um, the first fall, it ripped up the whole arm, like this shredded it. And if I hadn't been wearing that jacket, I'd have had to gone to the hospital. Like I would have, my arm would have just been, yeah, it was, that material is rugged, but it rolls enough. And I put on my big wheels, like I, I had another skate set up that with a 65 millimeter wheels for like spots like that. So I could kind of roll better. Okay. So that so helped. How many attempts did that take? Was it just the one slam or were there like mm, testers? I, or? I think it took three or four. Right. Three, three or four. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty good going. Cause that was, that was not a small trick. Nah, no, it's not. But, uh. I looked at the footage of, you know, uh, uh, Shima did a 360 on it. Yes. And, I thought, yeah, yeah. In the NIM video. And he sails across that thing. Like, I don't know. My friends were like, yeah, no, you went just as high. And I was like, I don't know. Shima, he blasted, like, dr- went really far over too. Like, he launched it awesome. And um, Brian Bell actually was the first to do it. He, he did a 540 the way that you're saying, like yeah. the, easy, the easier way. Um, and, but he did it like off the corner and like went to flat, okay. like, w- which is still really badass. Like when yeah. you see that, it's it's cool. Plus, Shima probably get more air because he's more aerodynamic than you. Like Shima's quite a small guy, so it's probably easier to like huck himself through the air. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's why. That's how his, that's his whole career. 
that's, that's the argument I like to give when it's like, oh, like such and such is better style. And I'm like, yeah, but he's short, so he doesn't have to bend his knees as much. So that's, that's an unfair <laughs> advantage. Like, yeah. being, being like, roller, like being short in rollerblading is one of the few sports that being short is an advantage because all your tricks well, just yeah. look better. Yeah. It's the, the big guys that pull it off. It's, it's really awesome. You know, like the tall guys that make it look good and, and, and there's quite a few, but yeah, there's, um, I know the little guy, it's like acrobats. Like they just, they're just ready to do, it. I don't know. Shima, I love Shima's style. And then you look at Pat, Pat Lennon is like six, six, one, maybe six feet. But, uh, I always liked Pat's style too. It was like a non-style style. Like he just was like doing it. Yeah. You guys were in, you guys were in Reno at the same time, right? Yes. You're, you're from, are you from Reno originally or did you just live there before San Diego? I am from there. I was raised there. I was born in San Diego and uh, raised in Reno. And then, um, and Pat moved to Reno with Bailey to uh, live with Choli, Mike yeah. Choli when I was in high school. Yeah. Mike Choli is insanely good at skating. Yeah. Yeah, he was, dude. He was so good. He was, he was crazy good. Yeah, his section in them apples. Well, actually, Bailey's one of my favorite skaters of all time. But Mike Choi's section in them apples was unbelievable. Um, yeah, but you must have been quite young when they were there, or they must 16, have been 17, like 16, 17, Yeah, yeah, they must have been a bit older than you when they lived there, though, right? But um, Bailey, not much. Like a few years. Mm. I, yeah, he wasn't old enough to drink. I know that I, he was at least 18 though. He's like three or four years older than me, I think. Right. And Pat was 21 and Mike was too, I think. Yeah. So Mike, did you, Mike, hmm? did you like skate with those guys when like they were living there or were, oh, yeah. it's one of those ones where if you're like, yeah. even it was, there's a few years age gap, you know, back then people would be like, well, and you don't know whether they're going to welcome you into the group or whatever, because yeah, they're old enough to maybe, I don't know, start drinking or whatever, or like just drinking yeah. like their flat, their apartment or whatever. And they're like, oh, we don't want this little kid. Like if he's not going to, you know, participate and be one of us. <laughs> so, cause no. you weren't, you weren't in that video, were you? Uh, did... I have a couple, I have two tricks in that video. Right. I have a 540 that was also in daily bread. Um, Shooty took the photo, Ryan Shooty. It's like yeah. a 540 over. It's a really fast trick. And then uh, I do a 360 sole on a little ledge like a curved ledge and then stair bash on the other side. Like um, it was like this ledge and then there was stairs on the other side of it. So, but two, you don't even see my head. It's just like, you just, <laughs> yeah, you just see my feet. You're like, um, damn it. I can't even like, I can tell people this is me, but they might not believe it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, no, but I got to hang out. I was, you know, I was skating with Choli before they moved there. Right. And um, like I started skating with Mike when I was, probably um eighth grade or something like 13 or whatever and you know when, when i finally was like good enough to skate with him um we, we would skate together he'd come pick me up or uh i'd meet him someplace and um and then they moved to town and that man that was like that was just great because uh i had like the best skaters to skate with uh, you know more than just mike it changes the dynamic when there's more than, you know, a couple, a few people to skate with. 
Yeah, well, they had just an insane crew then because, yeah, the Burks were still skating then, from what I remember. Yeah, Eric Burke was still skating then, Mike Choley. And that yeah, was a when... little bit. Eric Eric was kind of on his way out. Like, yeah. he, he kind of would skate just to, like, hang out with us a little, you know? Yeah. I was like, yeah. And Bailey was just beginning to become, yeah, well, that was just before he became like the poster child for Valo. Like he had those, yeah. three, I think it was something like three sections in that video. He just had an insane amount of footage. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. That, that was after you saw that video, you were like, there's no way this guy's not going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty impressive. Uh, it, was, it was intimidating, you know, to, to, cause I was the younger one and, and not as, as skilled. They were, they were just so good. So like we'd go to a spot and I, and they just put on a clinic every time. Like, and I was just kind of like, it's hard to break out and, and feel like, Oh, I, I, do I even want to jump on that rail and try it out? Like he just did 10 tricks down it. Like, I don't, you know, I look, so it's good. And it's, it's good though, to skate with better people, I think still. Yeah. But it's that, it's that double-edged sword. Cause it makes you yeah. want to like raise your level. But at the same time, if there, if there's a video camera around, you're like, well, no one's going to film a clip of me. Cause all I've got on this is a top soul or a top acid. And he just did yeah. something true spin. So I'm like, what? yeah. Yeah. There's that <laughs> rail in the, in the video, Bailey just like slays it. It's a stair rail. Um, <clears throat> I think he does do 360 top acid and it's like, yeah, it's just like a really good reel. And then Aragon skates it uh, in another video. But um, that was my kindergarten. I went to that school and uh, yeah, I just watched it. I, th- I was there that day and it was, he just went nuts. It's like really good. Yeah, that's pretty wild. That's, that's one thing. I feel like you've just always kind of been around. Like you've always seemed to be in like the periphery of blading. Like I remember you've got clips in a main game video as well, don't you? No. That must be Hayden Watt, who Watt. I think is that's, there's there's three Haydens in my there's Hayden Golder in Australia who like oh. takes photography and you guys have all got similar hairdos. There's Hayden Watt, oh, Hayden yeah. Bot. <laughs> Where is yeah. um, Hayden Watt from? Is he? I have Australian no idea. Too? I have okay. Hayden Golder is Australian and has got like okay. well his hair is like slightly ginger, but like it's like light light haired, long haired guys. So Hayden Watt, yeah, I was right. Okay, that that would explain how I got them mixed up. Hayden Ball, Hayden Watt, you know, that's pretty okay. Yeah, <laughs> and and then I always remember seeing footage. I always thought that you lived in San Francisco because whenever I saw footage of you, you were skating SF spots. Yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I went to film with Pat. Um, man, I was about 21. I would go and stay with him and, and film and hang out. And uh, yeah, and that, that footage actually never came out. We were, he said we were going to make a section, but Pat was like pretty much done with blading at that point. Right. And uh, yeah, it was, it's hard to film a section with someone like when I don't have a camera and I'm going up there to film with him. And um, we had a, a fair amount of footage, but it never went anywhere. I think a few he used a few of the clips in the drip drop video. That actually. that's yeah. it's that it's the friend section in it, right? Yeah. Yep. And was one of them like a curved drop ledge? Why have I got this in my head? Uh there was like a weird drop ledge I skated like, with Shima. It has a rail on the top. Right. And it's like 
it, it's like a weird like curved yeah rail drop rail that's in san diego though oh right okay yeah right i'm getting them all mixed up that's not mm-hmm. the one that had the security guard at the top as well is it or am i getting the clips mixed mm-hmm. up no no there was no security guard right yeah. okay it's one shima royals it and then he like gaps off at the end yeah okay I, I like top sold it right after and then rolled the little ledge after and, and i know the one you mean now it looks kind of like a little like looks almost like a bridge yeah it's yeah. like like moon shape like rail mm-hmm. on the top yeah i know the one you mean now okay right yeah yeah right it, and that was that was the last time uh pat lennon came to san diego to that i remember was when he was finishing filming and editing uh the drip drop with Jan. uh i, I think they like i think they both edited that together kind of but um yeah he hasn't and he was pretty much done with blading after that like i mean he didn't really do yeah anything. yeah i don't i don't remember him having yeah. anything after that okay so right so what made you what made you move from reno to san diego then um well so those boys uh bailey and lennon and choli had all split and the kids that I grew up skating with were all pretty much done skating too. Like they were on doing different things and um, some of them bad things. Some of them just, they just weren't into it. And I still was very much into skating and um, I had cousins that lived in San Diego and I had been to visit uh, them and skate. Like I did an ASA amateur event when I was like, 16 or something right and and just you know uh, oh ryan shooty when he came to reno and he was like dude i work down there i'm working at daily bread like come you should move to san diego and so my older cousin uh shane offered me a job working as a bathroom guy in uh the strip club and so i was like yeah i just said dude i'm i'm there uh i can make more money in san diego I can live with my cousins who have like a house, you know, all of them together. And so, uh, and it was, you know, it was the epicenter for rollerblading really on the West coast. Anyways. So, yeah. Let's go back to the strip club. What what was it like being, (laughs) I'm guessing you were like 21, 20, like early twenties then? Uh, No, I was 18. Okay. Can you even legally work there? Uh, Yeah. So like they have, two different types they have like a juice bar strip club where you only have to be 18 to go to and uh the, so that was the one that i would work in it's called deja vu and uh they, they have strip clubs that don't serve alcohol yeah yeah and it's really funny because the ones that don't excuse me the ones that don't serve alcohol are fully nude and the ones that serve alcohol are only topless so it's like they have like weird rules i guess right i i did not know that i did not know that was a thing okay that must be quite surreal yeah so you must have some interesting stories from working as a toilet attendant in a strip club a toilet attendant (laughs) is that what are they called yeah Yeah, that's a good i just never say the toilets i I mean yeah sometimes we'd say i gotta work in the toilets the cans i'm a can man i would i'd tell people i'm a can man (laughs) okay um yeah they're kind of interesting they're mostly just like 
gross, like dirt bag, you know, drunks, people on drugs, people fighting. I saw guys peeing on each other, full on fighting, uh, doing drugs, like just crazy, like bullshit. And, um, but when I first moved to San Diego and I was in there working, uh, not probably within the first couple months I'm there. Um, one of the nights I'm at work, I'm working the toilets and standing there, you know, at the sink with the cigarettes and all the mints and gum and shit. And so Haffy comes in, Chris Haffy walks in and he's there for his birthday. It's his, it's, I think it was his, I don't know what birthday, but he wasn't 21 yet. Cause he's around my age. He's like maybe the same or maybe slightly older. I don't know. Right. He might even be younger, but, um, Haffy shows up and I was like, dude, I was like, Chris Haffy, what's up? Like, I was like, my name's Hayden. I rollerblade, you know, I was like, I just moved here and he was cool. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't a dick at all. He was like, oh, right on, you know, and JC Rowe was there. And I think a few other, probably a bunch of other dudes that I hadn't met yet or didn't know, but uh, <laughs> pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Imagine Chris Haffy just walking in thinking he's like, right, yeah. going to a strip club gonna see some titties and then you're like hey man a rollerblade is like fuck busted he's like i can't even go to a strip club without getting recognized this is bullshit yeah <laughs> yeah it's cool i don't understand why anyone would want to go to a sober strip club like especially if you're on drugs yeah. see if you're on drugs why do you want to go to a sober strip club surely if you're on drugs you'd want to go to the one that serves booze i guess i don't know yeah okay have you ever have you ever seen Haffy since then and been like hey man do you remember me from the strip club <laughs> oh yeah like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like shit. yeah i've seen him uh plenty of times since then and he he's a class act just a nice guy cool guy he came and you know because him and stockwell were really good buddies so he came over to our house a few times yeah. so how did you end up living with jeff stockwell and marcus benavides then um well jeff lived with shima i remember that, that yeah because I, yeah jeff ended up i remember the story like jeff talking about how his pro skate arrived at the apartment and he wasn't there so shima just took them and started skating them and he asked <laughs> andy for like another pair of his pro skate and andy was like no oh the razors <laughs> so he had a pro skate from razors and he couldn't actually get it <laughs> What the hell? Yeah, I think Stuart that was has a smaller foot than Jeff too. I think much I'm, more, but maybe I'm not. I'm sure that was one of the reasons that Jeff gave for like quitting razors. He was like, "Well, after after I found it so difficult to just get a pair of my own pro skate, he was like, now nah, I'm done." Huh? But Fuck, right, I, okay. yeah, I didn't know that. That's that's wild. But yeah, we, I was hanging out with Shima and skating with Shima, and that's when I became friends with Jeff. Actually, you know what? I don't think Jeff was living there. Maybe he did briefly with Shima, but he would always come down to skate with Brian uh, from Orange County. That's what it was. He would just come down to like hang out and skate. And so then we would all, we kind of became friends that like that. So and, if you uh, were hanging out with all those guys, sorry, yeah. what, were you, what were you about to say? Oh, and then um, in San Francisco too, because I, I, I would go visit Bailey and Pat, uh, Jeff would go skate with bailey so then i think that's also where we crossed paths too and kind of became friends is hanging out in san francisco right um yeah 
So with hanging out with all those guys and those, they were all involved in like companies, like obviously Brian started like four by four and vicious and later Nim. Did it never come up or was there never any conversations about you getting on any of those teams? Mm, yeah, it never really came up. Um, I mean, I'm in the vicious video and at the time I was skating on REMS. Yeah, and, I remember um, that, yeah. Yeah, my uh, buddy Jeff Akers and uh, Matt Morrison in San Diego, they were the ones that hooked me up and kind of got me on rems and that was cool they were they were great skates but um i don't know i I didn't really want to skate the nims at the time but i don't i don't think uh being on four by four was ever an option but uh that that was a pretty that was a pretty elite squad yeah yeah that was like you had to be the best of the best but and there's like i don't know what four guys five guys on the team um but yeah Nim, I don't know. And then he, also the Nim team, he had the three best like young guys in skating. He had Montre, John Bellino, and Joey Chase. Joey Chase, and they were all really hungry. They were like super hungry and younger than monsters. me. Too. Yeah. 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 So it was like that was the first time that I had started skating with guys that were younger than me. And I was like, that, that were way better. And I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, that, that was an era, an era where keeping up was like dangerous. Like the stuff they right. were doing was terrifying. Yeah, um, I was just kind of wonder about stuff like that because I I know that Stockwell and Shima were really close, but Stockwell never ended up on four by four, and I was always like, I was what like I was just kind of wondered if I met Joe, but like, did you guys never talk about this? Never discuss you getting on because he obviously ended up being on heat wheels. But yeah, you just kind of think with those personal connections, like that's how a lot of people end up on brands. Like I know Julio, Julio tends to only sponsor people that he knows or has formed like a friendship with or like a relationship with over the years. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just quite interesting, but yeah, I'm sure they talked about it, but I don't know. Maybe it's just Jeff's style of skating. Jeff's Jeff's does do hammers, but he's also just so stylish. And and the four by four team was like, hammer time yeah hammer time i don't you know it's a little i don't know yeah yeah that yeah that that probably could be one of the reasons behind it yeah that makes sense um so you mentioned obviously you moved to san diego and it was like well at one point it was the kind of mecca for the aggressive like aggressive inline industry but surely when you moved there that that was kind of like dying out because Around that time, like not long after, Daily Bread died. Very and soon after. M- most of the companies that were based in San Diego went with it. Like it seemed like after Daily Bread went, it was like a domino effect. And then all these brands just started shutting down their doors. Yeah. Shima's brands and and then Razors were are really the only ones that I can think of. But and they they lasted for pretty long after Daily Bread was done. But yeah. But I would say as a whole, brands and rollerblading was, that was just at the start of the decline, I think, in it, you know, when, when that happened. Because it, imagine... it was happening. Sorry. Sorry, what, sorry, what were you going to say? Just even before I went to San Diego, I remember the Daily Bread getting thinner and thinner and thinner. 
And then I was like, what's going on? It's like half it's, you know, it used to have like a back to it. Like, a yeah, spine. it used to have a, like a spine. Yeah. 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 And then it didn't. And it was just the time it was everything. It was like blading was just had kind of hit its peak and was going down a little bit. And yeah. Well, apparently the reasoning behind that was if they made it smaller, they could bring it out more frequently, which would mean like getting the advertising revenue in quicker as opposed mm -hmm. to doing it, you know, like, yeah, less, but that plan didn't work either. And um, wow. right. so what, uh, like in terms of the demographic as well, because the people that you started skating with when you first moved out there, that can't be the same group of people that you skate with now, because obviously so many people have come and gone. I know there's people that have always stuck around. Like you mentioned, uh, Steve, is it Steinman? Is it, I'm not yeah. saying his name right. He's kind of, yep. he's always been around, but yeah, like there's in terms of like everyone else, like I, I know Stockwell still skates, but he obviously, he lives in like Long Beach now, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He lives, he moved to Long Beach pretty much after our house. He moved to Long Beach. Right. Yeah. So but, um, like in terms of did did the numbers get a lot smaller or did, did just the people that you hung out with change over the years? It's just changed. It's um, right. I would say, yeah, the numbers have kind of probably stayed close to the same because so many new skaters have moved to San Diego in the almost 20 years that I've lived here. It's like 15 years or something, I think. And, uh, Steve's one of the guys that's always been around. Uh, but now it's like in Derek Hall and Russell day. Yeah. They've, they've always been here that I've always skated with them. Um, Jeff acres. I don't see him much anymore because he lives North and he has a kid. He has a couple kids, I think now, but, um, there, uh, there's a handful of guys that have been here as long as me. Um, and then there's a, a ton of new ones too. Um, you know, and now I skate, I skate a lot more now with, uh, just kind of everybody instead of back when I first moved to San Diego, it was like a very small number and then it sort of changed. It just always was evolving. Um, so we, what you're basically diplomatically saying there is it's become a lot less elitist and like clique based. And now people are just willing to hang out with whoever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like, they're like right now I'm missing uh, one of the boys is moving is this guy, Ken, and they're all, everyone's at the skate park right now. Um, jump from and Steve and all, every, all of our, all of our buddies are up there, but uh, it, it's awesome. It's like, there's just so many skaters and everybody's in touch and everybody's friends pretty much. So so is San Diego one of those places that the majority of the people that you hang out with aren't actually from San Diego? They just live there? Um, I think for, for the rollerbladers, a lot of them aren't from here. Right. But uh, so like yesterday, uh, Steve, John, and myself skated with uh, George and uh, Gene. And George and Gene are both from, you know, native San Diego guys um mdr crew like skated with brian bell okay and, and whoa okay that's that's yeah, proper and, proper old school right okay he, yeah they're like in b bell's videos and um so and they're both bringing their kids to like skate with them it's it's so it's pretty cool it's like nice one i always kind of wonder like 
what I liked about Brian Bell videos is it always had this massive like Mexican demographic in it, which I felt like in the 90s, it felt like there were so many just amazing Mexican bladers and then they all just seemed to disappear or well, they just, they never got the coverage or something like that's not true. They had the footage, they were in all the videos, but they never seemed to go like pro or like get, get the kind of recognition or something. Yeah. Aldrin, Aldrin Miller and Aaron Miller. So those two brothers, yeah. um, they're, they were kids with B-Bell and they both, and you know, and they're Mexican and they both, uh, skated for eulogy. I know that in the okay. very beginning, they were like on eulogy and in the ads and stuff. And then I, I don't know what else, uh, who else they skated for, but, um, it's, it's mainly because of our location you know, my town that I'm in, Imperial Beach, I'm, I can walk into Tijuana from here. Like I am right next to the border. Okay. And, and Brian Bell grew up in this uh, national city, which is South San Diego, right by Mexico. So there's just a huge Mexican uh, demographic to begin yeah. with here. And uh, I think back then, so many people were skating, everyone was skating and so you had kids in his neighborhood that were skating that he just put cameras on and was like, Oh, this kid's ripping, yeah. you know? Uh, and, and yeah, national city is majority is, you know, Mexican. Yeah. It was just because in those times, like if you appeared in videos more often than not, they were ended up getting sponsored or it would go somewhere or it would just kind of tend to naturally, you know, their profile would improve. And Brian Bell was bringing out videos that were like popular videos. He was bringing out like T-Bone TV videos and stuff like that, as well as his own stuff, like Street Dwellers. Mm -hmm. And it always had like the same cast of those dudes who were yeah. putting out like full sections, but just never seemed, it never seemed to go anywhere. It was really. Yeah. Like Oscar Colmanero, like that guy, Oscar, uh, do yeah. you remember his, he, he had a section in, I think it was Bo's video too. I, I don't, uh, forest fire maybe i don't remember but uh he was so good so good and I, I don't know if he was ever sponsored but he had really sick style and yeah um yeah so we're in one so yeah you mentioned john from john's obviously he moved he moved to san diego what like two years ago or less uh, than two years a ago? little more than that more than I, that I okay like three or four but yeah yeah from because he was living in atlanta before that right yes so, so like that's got to be because he's like he is always motivated to go out and film and make sections and stuff like that so i imagine he must be kind of have a be a handy person to have around because he doesn't mind filming other people as well like did he did he help with getting footage for the new section or a ton john right. um steve filmed a majority of it but john he filmed a fair bit and uh his just presence and like motivation uh, for skating um, helped me so much because before he was here or, and even when he first got here, I was in the mode of just go to the skate park, skate with the boys at the skate park and, you know, an hour, two hours, that's it. I wasn't trying to go film street clips, you know, I was, um, was kind of for a while just having fun and not trying to push it. And, um, from, you know, I saw his motivation and he's still, he wants to go film street skating. He wants yeah. to street skate. He wants to do, you know, hard spin topsoil down a handrail or whatever. He wants to learn something. 
and and he we as we became better friends he kind of would talk some shit and be like oh you're gonna go to the skate park and do the same air today you're gonna go do the same the same air and the same bowl every day and i was just like you know what i'm gonna shut you up yeah dude. i'm gonna, I'm gonna come to your spot on. and i'm gonna shit all over you just for running your mouth yeah that's yeah. That's, that's what you need yeah you need that motivation dude, yeah, yep he kicked me in the ass and some motivation so yeah you need someone to bust your yeah i'll i'll, I'll do balls. that to people that i know are better than me just like, I'll be like all right you're not gonna and you just do a royale in the rail just to start getting their blood boiled up and they're like oh well i can show up this guy so and then they start <laughs> that's that's what you need you need to you know give them the give them the reason to piss you off yeah yeah so he's he's super motivated and it's great um yeah. how did how did calvin end up editing the section mm, so he's just he's kind of a you know a new friend of mine he came to san diego and we met um it was a few years back and it just kind of instantly became friends like he's just one of those guys that's uh super personable and like easy to easy to talk to and um he loved my dog and Oh, yeah, uh, he's he's obsessed with dogs. Yeah, obsessed with dogs. We both uh, are into graffiti. Like I did graffiti as a kid. He loves graffiti, uh, and I could relate to him because I had a buddy that was like that growing up that I skated with. That was um, straight edge, graffiti writer, vegan. Like it was like rollerblader. Like just like so many similarities to Kevin. And um, I don't know. Kevin's just a nice dude, and he uh, he's always expressed that he appreciated my skating. So I just thought when I was getting the footage and kind of started making this, collecting these clips and I was like, Oh, I'm going to edit it myself. I, I was going to do it. And then, um, I sort of just thought, you know what? I'll ask Kevin cause he could do this better and faster and way better than me. <laughs> like, you know, it okay. would take me. Yeah. So. Cause you I had, you you when he came over to California and he made he made like a short adapt video that had like Adrian Deck and uh, mm-hmm. Julian. You had clips in that, didn't you? Yeah, the last time he came, I got clips in that little right. video. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You're not writing for adapt, though, are you? No. No, because mm-hmm. this this was another thing I was because I used to think that you were on Valo as well because whenever I saw you for like a period, you always had a different pair of Valo skates on, and I was like, he's either a very dedicated john gave me skates for years all right okay yeah john john was he he came to our place and and i had met john as a kid too with bailey we went over there when he was starting volo and uh i was like yes 16 17 and we went to meet julio i think we stayed at his mom's house in san jose and um no way okay yes skated for the weekend with with john and eric and they had the like test prototype they were just white rosies, like white rosies M12s. And then, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Bailey said, he's like, we're going to put skins on these and this is going to be the, his new boot brand. I was like, cool. But uh, yeah, uh, John, you know, we met up again and I think Bailey was hanging out at our house with Jeff and Tommy Boy was there and everybody was like, yeah, just skate volos, just skate volos. And I was like, all right. I wanted to be in. I was like, yeah, I'll try the balls. <laughs> and like, it, it was just, it's so silly. Cause like I was, my friend, Jeff acres at the time had just like kind of hooked me up with remedies, not that long ago and given me remedies. And 
And then I start skating the ballos and he's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> like, but whatever. Skates, skates are skates. I mean, so. Okay, I, w- I would tend to disagree. I'd say skates can be very pivotal when you're having a positive experience or a negative experience doing it because some of them can really, really hurt you. And some of them can, like, sure. you can lose so many tricks in certain, like, skate brands. And sure. So yeah. I would, uh, I would, I would, I would. Yeah, I, you're right. I should rephrase. I mean, it's kind of if they fit and then if they work for you. And yeah. both skates worked for me. Rems, Volos, both work. I just wanted to be. So Rems was like Chris Haffey, Nick Wood, Connor O'Brien, um, Frankie. And I wasn't a part of the team at all. And uh, I had filmed that section with Sean Cullen, RIPSF, the whole section in. Um, yeah, there were those kind of like pinky, purpley Rems or whatever. Or was that just. Yeah, the I spray painted them. Right. Purple. Okay. <laughs> it's like with Colin and um so I showed that section to Kato and I don't know what I expected like I was like something and then I just didn't hang out and skate with those guys at all but I skated with the Volo guys like I I was friends with them and skated with Bailey and uh so it just seemed to like kind of fit better and I was like yeah I'll you know try the Volos out and they worked they were good yeah, I, yeah, I skated them for years. I really liked them. Um, okay, so obviously the whole point of the section was it was introducing your denim brand that you launched. Was it the start? It was, it was this year that the jeans were first released, wasn't it? Yeah, like yeah. in January. Well, that's when I got the samples was January. Um, and I'm guessing it's na- the brand's named after your dog or is that just a coincidence? Yes. Right. No, yeah, Dusty. Right. And how long have you had the Dusty Denim YouTube channel? Because, or did you just change the name of the YouTube channel? I just channel? changed the name. I just, I, it was my okay. first name and I just put Dusty Denim. In. But I, yeah, I, I was just talking about this last night to Steve and John. And like, I don't think, because I'm going to film another part. I'm like already trying to do that. And uh, he was like, are you going to put it on YouTube? And I go, no, I don't think so because there just seems like no point unless you're like going to have like videos all the time. Like, I don't know. Right. Is, is that's kind of. In, in what sense, in what sense is there no point? Well, Steve was like, Oh yeah, you can get paid on YouTube. And I was like, I don't think so, dude. I, Cause you have to have a certain number of subscribers. You have to be posting videos like regularly. And I was like, yeah. I'm not going to do that. So. <laughs> well, yeah. You have to have over a thousand subscribers before you monetize it. And then. Okay. The video, the video can't make money if it's got any copyrighted content on it. So if you use right. a song, that's yeah, so. that then yeah, you can't. So there's yeah, there's there's certain requirements. Yeah, but if you're putting out sections, it wouldn't make sense. But if you're putting out, I don't right. know, podcasts and stuff. Oh yeah, podcasts are like I've noticed like raw footage does really well. So like if you look on Vibrolux and stuff like that, they'll put out, oh. they'll put out the section and the section obviously doesn't make any money when they put it on YouTube, but then they'll put up like half an hour of B roll. And then if that clocks up like 10,000 views or whatever, then that'll make them some money. So oh wow, That's I cool. can't imagine it would be that much money, but yeah, it's, I think it's one of these things like every little helps or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't do huge numbers, so I don't make much money from it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You're doing it for the fun, and you want to do it, yeah. Um, 
well, basically I had all the, whenever I've done any interviews for the magazine and for later for the website, it was always on audio anyway. And then I was listening back to the audio and I'd be like, I prefer the audio to the actual, what I've written. Mm-hmm. And I was like, may as well just do it as a pot and then put it out like that. Cause there was some, if you're having a joke with someone, it's really hard to convey humor in an article, like, or like how much right. you laughed or how much like, you, you know, yeah. you can, you can mention it, but no one will have a true idea of it unless they were actually listening to the conversation. And then the more and right. more I was doing that and seeing how much it was missing that particular element, I was like, well, the yeah. way to get around that is just to put it out. So, yeah, but yeah, it's one of those things like with this one, you've got Ricardo Lino to put it out and he put it out in his channel. And because his channel's got a lot of followers, it gets your skating out and your brand out to a wider audience. So right. I guess if you can do it, continue to do it with Ricardo or with other channels that have big followings, then yeah, that can only help the marketing of, of the denim company. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it was the best thing I could have done. So. That's, uh, um, so like, did you know Ricardo before that, or did you just contact him to put the video out or how did that work? Yeah. I, I met Lino when I was a kid, he came to Reno and stayed at, uh, Choli's and Pat's and Bailey's house. And, uh, I was, was like, yeah, hanging out, skating with them. And I remember Lino was like middle of the day and they had gone skating. I think I had just gotten out of school and I came over to the house. And Lino's like on the couch, like eating out of the ice cream container. It's like a big ice cream. He's like, you want some? And I was like, okay. And he, so he like hooked me a bowl of ice cream. I was like, awesome. Like, who's this it, big random Portuguese did this? Yeah. Uh, okay. It was just super happy and friendly. And, uh, and then he came, I came to San Diego uh, when I moved here and skated with him again with like Brian Schutte right. one time or something. Yeah okay yeah yeah that is yeah he yeah like lino has been around and I, I don't think a lot of people just kind of remember him now for being like the youtube guy or the guy that's built this massive phone it's like no like lino's been around since like the 90s like he was yeah yeah he's been he like one of the there. first pro on undercover like yeah he almost mm-hmm. yeah he was on usd way way back yeah so yeah wow um, it's quite interesting how far back some of those things go. So what made you decide to start the denim company? Because, you know, the last, the last company I can remember putting out jeans was Vibrolux. And that was, that was years. That must've been like six years ago, maybe more five or six years ago. Right. Yeah. At least that long. Um, it's, it's pretty much that is, uh, well, I lost my job because of the, mostly because of the pandemic um so june 6th of last year was my last day of work and um so when i lost the position teaching high school art i was busy like not not working in the strip club let's clarify not working yeah fuck i did that for long enough (laughs) um i finally like upgraded and and got my act together went to college and got a, a decent job but um yeah, so I lost that job though because of the pandemic, mostly. Um, also, the district was low on funds, so they were going to let go of lots of teachers. But um, so I had all this time, and I was just like, everybody did. Everybody had so much yeah. time, and I think it changed so many people's lives for the better in a lot of ways. People got to spend more time with their family, their pets, their their 
hobbies, you know, and um, I just kind of thought about it. I was like, no one makes pants. When I go to buy pants to skate in, I go to the thrift store. I mean, I pretty much did all my shopping at the thrift store. It's like how I've always done it. And um, occasionally at Walmart, because you can get great pants brand new at Walmart for like 10 bucks, 12 bucks. You can get jeans and they aren't bad. They, you know, there's nothing special about them, but I would skate in them. And, uh, but I just kind of got tired of like us rollerbladers not having any pants, like skate, you know, if I was going to wear Dickies, I'm just giving money to the skateboard industry in a, in a sense. I'm, I mean, they support skateboarding. They have a skateboard team. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It's not a a skateboard brand, but they do have a skateboard team. Yeah. They have a skateboard team and they're never going to do a rollerblade team. So, uh, I was just like, you know, I I, I don't know the way things are going. It's it's not, it's not entirely outside the realms of possibility. (laughs) Fingers crossed. I mean, that'd be cool if that came about for sure. But, uh, I've never really understood that either because it makes sense for skateboarders because skateboarders don't tend to like f- like fall that much if you know what I mean like like in right. skate because we do lots of grinds so we're like scuffing up our shins and our de- we're like whereas skateboarders like when you're doing like flatland and ledges and stuff like that you tend to just kick the board away from you and not fall mm-hmm. dickies don't take a lot of abuse Mm-mm. like you fall on them a couple of times they're they're torn. Like they're, they're not, right. they're not a hard wearing material. So I've never kind of under, I've no. always felt like the people that skate in them must, must just be really consistent and not fall. A lot. Yeah. They, yeah. I don't know. They're not, they're, they're thin. It's like, they're a tough material, but they're really thin and kind of, I don't know. I don't, I, the style of Dickies are awesome, but um, yeah, just the fact, and that they're cheap. They're they're like twenty bucks at Walmart, brand new. So okay, maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not cheap here, but yeah, if they're cheap in the states, that makes sense. Huh. I wonder why that is. Like they're Im- not made here; they're made in China. Yeah, but like right. uh, I guess they probably have some kind of like distribution deal or whatever. Like the only places right. you really get them here are like yeah, skate shops. Right. Huh. Or and there's least, no like equivalent. There's nothing that's like similar that's like cheap like like that. Uh, you probably have like the yeah we have like the you know cheap uh, like throwaway fashion brands that do similar like kind of chinos and stuff like that. But yeah, they don't tend to last very long. So it's like it's right. like a false economy because you think you're buying like I don't know a twenty like twenty bucks for a pair of trousers and you're like oh these are really cheap but then they only last like two sessions and you're like oh now I need to buy another pair <laughs> so it's not they're cheap yeah. but you end up spending like I don't know sixty quid yeah so um but yeah anyway we we got we got sidetracked so yeah you saw a gap in the market but I can't imagine getting into making jeans it's it's not like starting a clothing company and getting blank t-shirts and hoodies and beanies and finding a decent printer or no. trying on a few samples and going, oh, this works. I like these. This is a good quality. Put the yeah. logo on it, put it out. Jeans seems complicated. Right. And and they, they are, in a sense, compared to the other, other um, you know, items, T-shirts and hoodies and stuff. But um, I don't know. I just kind of started looking into it and talking to people, writing emails, making phone calls. Um, and... Yeah, you know the the margins I think are tighter and um they for for jeans 
versus t-shirts and stuff. It's because like I wanted to get them in shops, but I talked with one shop owner and it was like he wanted to pay from the price that I'm selling the jeans. He wants to pay pretty much what it costs for me to make them, right. you know? And um, so unless I did like maybe thousands or something, like had thousands of jeans made, or if I became, had a better connection with a manufacturer so I could get them made for cheaper, but I kind of had to work with who was available and who was available was this guy that um, in a sense, he's like a middleman sort of. So I'm sure he made a few bucks off of each pair of jeans that I had made. Right. You know, so, um, and I, and even since then I've tried to contact other manufacturers and get nowhere. Like I've sent out emails, I've made calls and they'll just hang up on me. Like, <laughs> you know, I've called Pakistan. Um, cause that's where these jeans were made was in Pakistan. Right. And okay. uh, yeah. Um, Plus getting just, them, get, just getting them from Pakistan to the States, that's got to be an expense, like quite a yeah. considerable expense in itself. Sure. And I don't know what that was because it was kind of all bundled up into this deal where right. I got the jeans made. And um, he kind of, you know, the advantage of having this guy I worked with was that it was kind of streamlined. Everything was like, I'm sure there's a lot of steps as far as importing and um what do you call it? Uh, the duties and whatnot is that I would have had to figure that out and do paperwork. And he, he probably just did all that or had it dialed up some kind of shipping DH. He used DHL and it came right to my house, all the jeans. Right. So, okay. Yeah. You, you keep saying used to work with this guy. So you're, you're not going to be working with this guy in the future. No, no, I actually, yeah, I, I still, um, it's very likely that I will work with him in the future again, if, unless I found something better, but I, I, everybody I tried to work with, like in the beginning was either a complete flake or just full of shit and, and never so a flake, like they, they just, yeah. they couldn't follow through or it was too expensive. And, and, uh, this guy very professional and, um, easy to work with. So. So, you know, how many, like what, in terms of numbers, like how many did you get like made for the first run? 250. So I had, okay. I had, um, 250 split between black and blue. So 125, right. Blue and 125 black jeans. And, um, it's been going good. It's, it's, it's so humbling and so cool that rollerbladers are like willing to pay more money for a product because it's made by a rollerblader and made for and you know intended for rollerblading in a yeah. sense it's a roll um because i i totally get it like you could go someplace else and get jeans for cheaper or pants you know so true but then at least with buying from when when you can attach a face to a company it makes you feel sure. better about the purchase because you know where the money's going whereas if you're buying yep. your jeans off nike or whatever yeah you, you're like well they've got enough money you know they, yeah you know they don't need my money they've, they've got everyone else's money so right um yeah so how how good are you doing in terms of sales so far like is is it we're, is it covered costs good. is it we're, made profit like how's it done um, 
I need to do another count, but um, since the section dropped, I've made probably like 10 or 15 sales, like right away. Right. Like, and um, I think I'm, I would say I'm at least halfway through my, my run of jeans and uh, or pretty close to it maybe. Um, but yeah, I want to do more. I want to just keep, keep it going. Um, and I'm, I'm still trying to figure out if the next batch that I do is going to be the same. Um, first I want to get more of these sold, but I, I'm debating if I'll do the same thing again and, uh, change like something slightly like a color, or if I'm going to make them in the States, because the guy that made these said we can make them here in the States. And, um, but it would obviously raise the price a lot. Like, yeah. And, and I, and I don't know if that'll be worth it. So I don't know. So that's what I was going to ask. Obviously you've got the first run. So it's, is it sold enough to like make you think that there will be a second run or like, have you got any like plans in the immediate future to do that or yeah. I, um, in the immediate future, I don't have plans to, to like put the money down to get the second run, but I am, I'm very, very hopeful that it's going to be like soon. Like I'm, I'm the, so the answer is yes, I do want to make another run and I'm just right now, like, look at this, like these boxes of jeans. (laughs) Those are everywhere across my house. Like, oh, right. I was and, and I live in a, a small place with my chick and our two dogs. And like, thankfully, my fiance is like cool and is like allowing me to have boxes of jeans like scattered around the, the place. <laughs> I was, so. When you showed me that box, I was like, if that's all you've got left, sales have gone well. If there's, <laughs> if there's just that one box of jeans sitting there, but what you're saying is they're sitting around the house. So do you, yeah. do you have any idea of like how many pairs of jeans you've got left that you need to sell? Um, I, I no. So I need to do a count, but I, I would say I've sold close to half of my so like I probably have sold close to a hundred pairs. I don't know. Cause I've sold a lot on my website. And then I've also sold a lot outside of the website where, you know, I'm with somebody person, that wants yeah. to buy the jeans. And so I'm not going to make them pay tax and shipping because they're right there. Yeah. And so yeah. All right. Okay. So have you any other future plans for the brand? Or are you is it just a case of yeah. taking it like really slow? Like what can what can you tell me? I'm making t-shirts, which is, um, something I didn't really like plan to do because t-shirts are a dime a dozen, but I just thought I'd try it because, um, I could get a small quantity. It wasn't, I didn't have to make nearly as big of an investment. And, um, so I have, you know, cause I have a seller's license now and like a business, a business license, California seller's permit, all this shit so that I can buy product at wholesale, they call it. And um, so I got some shirts. This is one of them. And I'm waiting for uh, a silk screen to arrive at my house that I'm going to burn it and put my dusty denim logo on it. And then I'm going to put that on the pocket. And like this t-shirt is like made in Los Angeles, really nice quality. So we'll see if people want to buy t-shirts and 
well, you know, head head to toe dusty instead of just instead of just the jeans. Yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna screen print them. So I always think that's quite cool when people get into because anyone can start a clothing company and get buy blanks and get someone to screen print them. And then you're like, well, you're not really a clothing company because you know you're not manufacturing the clothes and you're not right. even screen printing them. So basically, yeah. all all you're doing is you're a buyer. You're a buyer and seller. But yeah. if, if you're screen printing them yourself, that's pretty cool because at least, you know, part of the process that goes into making it what it is, is done by you, by like, by your own hand. Exactly. Yeah. That's I've, I've screened shirts before. Um, and it, it's pretty fun. And I actually did a, um, some, when I lived with Jeff and Marcus of just some like uh, reggae singers that I liked at the time. Um, I put like Gregory Isaacs and Peter Tosh on a, on a t-shirt and, uh, and I made some in high school too, that said Reno, but, um, so yeah, cause I was like talking to the screen printer and I was like, oh yeah, it's fuck. It's going to cost even after the shirts, then it's another few hundred bucks to get them screen printed. And, and I was like, dude, I could just do it myself and, and like, you know, take my time and do it slow and but that's cool because like you said, it's, then you're, you're doing it. Yeah. You're not paying someone else to do it. So. Exactly. And there's, yeah, there's more satisfaction from the end product because it's not just something that showed up at your house one day. You're like, Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I made this. Yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. All right. So nice. you've got, you've got new products coming out and you've got a new section in the works. That's what you're telling us. Well, that's the plan. Yesterday we went out and filmed like the first time uh, since this section came out. And uh, yeah, that's so starting to try to get clips have two so far. That's hey, that's that's the it's the humble beginning. That's all you need. Um, yeah. That was another thing I wanted to say about the last section. You went to town on that little, I don't know what the hell that spot's called. It looks like it goes into like a playground or something. And you just did mm. everything like natural and switch. Yeah, we we actually went there yesterday and I didn't put my skates on. I didn't skate it, but uh, John Fromm did because he's been wanting to go there and, and he skated it and got both of the tricks he wanted to do. Right. And uh, yeah, I, I just said, I was like, oh, I want to skate this. I actually want to get more tricks down that rail, uh, switching regular for this part. But I just, I, I need to take a break from falling. I need to like, I need to take, <laughs> I need to, my body needs some time out here. It's hard. Yeah. I want, I want like a month or maybe like a couple weeks of just like, I'm no, I'm not going to eat shit for two weeks. Like I'm just going to kind of feel good and nothing fucked up on me <laughs> like just yeah so yeah because you're you're in your mid-30s right 35 yeah 35 yeah like it, the older the body takes longer to recover like i hurt my okay. wrist in july or august how old are you david i'm 37 and okay. yeah like i bent my wrist the wrong way at the end of last summer and it only i was only able to start doing push-ups like a month ago like for I was seriously considering going to the doctor. I was like, have I Damn. torn something or done? And then one day it just stopped hurting. And I was like, that took a long time to yeah. fix itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, yeah. for sure. And you skate way harder than I do. Like, I would not do, I'm not throwing myself off a roof at 37. That's just not <laughs> happening. Like, no. And yeah, dude. I, um, 
I, I know what you're saying. It's yeah, it gets rough, but uh, you, if you take care of it and just take some time to heal, like, and that's what I did during this filming. I was like, I would film for a weekend. And then if I really got banged up, I would, I wouldn't put my skates on and skate for like four or five days until the next weekend. Until, and then I was all ready to film. Um, but I would walk and I would like ride my bicycle and I would, I would surf too sometimes and, and um, do other things to like stay moving, but yeah. uh, just take a break from like being on skates. Cause even like us just standing on skates and like grinding ledges, like every time you're like hitting the ground, you're just pounding your joints. Like, yeah, you're bang. just sending shockwaves through everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely, it's good for you, I think. And it is, you know, you build muscle and strength, but it's also deteriorating, like in, in some ways it's what we oh, do is not in, meant. In some very specific ways. Yeah. Your cartilage, <laughs> your cartilage is just yeah. get, getting eaten alive by all these yeah vibrations going through it and like yeah. impact and trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously you did all those tricks switching natural. What I've always wondered is, are there any tricks you can't do switching natural? Are there ones that you're just like, no, like I don't, I don't have that. Um, because my, my switch game is poor. So I'm always, I'm always curious when you see people and you're like, it's kind of difficult to tell them apart. And I was like, there must be ones yeah. that they struggle with. For, oh, uh, for sure. There's, there are like, um, torque grinds. I can't do both ways. Um, I don't know what it is about switch torque, but I'm like, I just can't do it. And then, uh, I don't, I would think a fast slide too. Like I, I've never done switch fast slide. I've done it. Like I've tapped it, like done a top sole and then lifted up the back foot and done switch fast slide, but I've never like jumped on a rail and done a switch fast slide. Um, any kind of like spin trick, I would never be able to do like a 360 sole switch. Like, okay. like I, I can 360 the same way and do, um, sole grind and, uh, you know, I can do it on both feet, but I can't spin the other way. So, right. Okay. I know. Yeah. 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 So like uh spinning switch, like a full 360 to grind. I don't think that'll ever happen. Yeah. For me, but, <laughs> um, that'd be cool. Right. That, but so like, that, that, that's, the, just, that's the challenge for this year. I want to see, I want to see the, the natural and the switch spin into, into the same grind. Yeah, that'd be cool. Like 270 back royale or 360 top slow or something. Um, that'd be cool. John Fromm can actually do a 270 top soul. I'm pretty he can do it both ways on his box. I know that. I want to see him do it on a rail. Like I know he could do it if he just threw it. Like you just have to just throw it, like go for it, you know. Well, he's he's Mr. Spin to win, but we've already got a challenge. So I know <laughs> that he can I know that he can do hurricane top acid, but I want to see him do like 360 top acid the other way. And I've told like the him the way Bailey would do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I guess some people call it like outspin or whatever. I don't know. But yeah. Right. Um and I've told him it has to be down a stair rail. So that that's his challenge that I've that I've set oh, for. Cool. So we'll see. I didn't I didn't know about that. That's good. I'll, I'm gonna make sure to like remind him of that. Well, he sent me a clip of him doing it on his little P rail setup thing, and I was like, "Yeah, that's cute, but I, I want to see it on, <laughs> you know, right. yeah, I want to see it on on the real street." So, yeah, we'll see what happens this year. Okay. So. See, when you see him at the skate park later, you can remind him of that. You can be like, "Yeah, D David told me, so now I'm going to be on." 
now you can be on his ass about something when he's yeah. giving you shit about going to the skate park. You're like, I, it's weird. I, I haven't seen you do that 360 top passage yet. It's, it's weird. No, you keep, he, you keep running your he didn't mouth. You do it but... yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So I'll so, tell him. Yeah, that can be your. I've, I've, that's that's my gift to you. Ammunition in your next your next shit talking battle that you have with John. Yes. Oh, oh, that's good to have because he. Yeah, he likes to talk shit. So it's good. Yeah, I've 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 hung out with John. John's been in Scotland. We've we've had a couple of beers together in Glasgow. Yeah. Oh, good. Cool. Um. Yeah, he's a good guy. I like John. Yeah, he is. He's a nice guy. Um. But I'm I'm perfectly happy to help in any. And giving you the upper hand in any argument or discussion you have with them. That's I have no problem doing that whatsoever. All right. Um, thanks. So I've taken up enough of your time today. You told me that you get plans to meet the boys and go for a Sunday skate. So I think I've held you off from that long enough. Um, thanks for taking the time to do this today. And yeah, good luck with the new section. And yeah, Dusty Denim. Hope hey, it goes thanks well. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Cool. Awesome, man. Well, hey, enjoy yeah, the rest to, of your uh, weekend. Meet you and, and do some skating sometime soon. Well, if I ever get over to America again, the last time I was there, I think I was like 17, 18, 17. Yeah, so it's, it's long overdue. Yeah. Um, okay, my man. But yeah, enjoy the rest of your weekend and hopefully speak soon. Yeah, same to you. Bye. Bye. Go fuck yourself, San Diego.